Matthew tells us about a time when Jesus was away and a man with a demon-possessed son brought him to the disciples, asking them to heal him. But they were not able to drive out the demon. Jesus returned and spoke a command to the evil spirit, and the spirit left the boy, and the, the son was healed. Later, the disciples asked Jesus, why weren't we able to drive out the demon? And Jesus responded, because you have so little faith. So today I want to ask the question, how much faith do you need? How much faith do you need to drive out a demon? How much faith do you need to pray for someone to be healed in Jesus' name? How much faith do you need to become a Christian? How much faith do you need to believe that God will help you get a job or restore your business? How much faith do you need to heal a broken marriage? How much faith do you need to see someone in your family come to Christ or come back to Christ? How much faith do you need to help a friend come to know Jesus? Jesus answers the disciples' question and ours, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. Jesus says you only need faith the size of a mustard seed. You don't need a lot. A mustard seed is a tiny seed. You don't need a lot of faith because it doesn't depend on the size of your faith. Jesus is the one who does the miracles. God is the one that provides the power. You just need enough faith to access God's power. So in answer to the question, how much faith do you need? The answer is, you need enough faith. To help us figure out how much is enough, if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke is a physician writing to Theophilus, a Roman governor or a high Roman official in one of the Roman provinces in the Roman Empire. Luke knows it's not easy for a Roman official to believe that a poor Jewish carpenter who was executed as a common criminal is really the Son of God. So Luke shows him right from the beginning that God was involved in the birth of Jesus. How much faith would Theophilus need to become a Christian? Luke shows him by introducing him to some of the first people involved with the birth of Christ. The first people Luke introduces us to are Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were an older couple who prayed to have kids but never had been able to get pregnant. They had given up because they assumed that Elizabeth was too old to have a baby. Luke is the only gospel writer to introduce us to Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. Luke focuses on individuals other gospel writers uh, overlook. He talks about, he focuses particularly on women. He introduces 13 women not mentioned in the other gospels. He t talks about some poor and social outcasts who were transformed through meeting Jesus. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. 
Jeremiah was a priest married to the daughter of a priest. They were a religious family. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Yet for all their obedience to the law, God had not blessed them with a child. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Luke doesn't tell us how old they were. Maybe they were in their 60s, maybe 70s, maybe their 80s. No little ones, uh, playful sounds of laughter in their home, only emptiness. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, Jeremiah was one of 18,000 priests in Israel. They led uh, worship. Uh, the priests were divided into 24 vision, uh, divisions. Each division was given two weeks of the year to lead in worship in Israel. The priests in each division cast lots to determine which one would be selected to uh, lead in worship. Most priests would draw this assignment only once in their lifetime. Some never had the privilege of leading in worship. God saw to it that at just the right time, Zechariah was chosen as priest for the day. Zechariah had looked forward to this moment his entire life. All alone in the sacred chamber, he carefully observed each step of the liturgy. As he came close to the altar, uh, the wave of heat flowing from the, the embers uh, filled uh, the air. He, he took the, the censers and he poured the contents onto the burning embers. And a, a billowing a cloud of steam went up in the air. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Uh, Zechariah's heart raced. He was afraid. Well, whenever someone meets an angel in, in the Old Testament, usually their reaction is fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. This is John the Baptist. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Zechariah couldn't believe his ears. Jeremiah's and Malachi's prophecy that a Messiah would come to Israel was going to come true. And the one to prepare the way for the Messiah was to be his son. But Zechariah couldn't get beyond the words, Elizabeth will bear a son. How could Elizabeth have a baby? How could he be the father? I mean, he was no dummy. He knew the facts of life. He knew they were well beyond childbearing years. 
Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am old, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Jeremiah, I mean, Zechariah received a sign, but it was not the sign he wanted. Because of his unbelief, his words would stick in his throat until the day he named John. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be to Zechariah? He's been a spokesman for God his entire life. Now he gets the greatest news to come to Israel in over 400 years. And he can't speak about it. Meanwhile, the people were wondering why Zechariah was taking so long. Normally, the priest would, would do his, his duties and then would come out and offer them a blessing. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Elizabeth thought that Zechariah was asking a bit, acting a bit frisky for his age, but she wasn't going to argue with him if he said God told him they were going to have a baby. Zechariah, Zechariah reminds me of a pastor I know that, uh, uh, like many pastors, uh, began as a youth pastor. And uh, as a youth pastor, he gave a lot of talks about dating and love and sex and marriage. And one day he sided up to uh, an old, uh, older man in the church well into his 80s. And he said, tell me, when did you begin to lose interest in your wife? You know. And the guy looked at him and he said, young feller, you're going to have to find an old geezer older than me. Good writers know that a drama goes best if you move from one character to another, one event to another. And so Luke moves to telling us about Gabriel coming to Mary to tell her she was going to be mother to Jesus. Then in verse 57, Luke picks up the story of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John, John the Baptist. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. What do we learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth about how much faith we need? You need enough faith. How much is enough? I think we learned from Zechariah and Elizabeth three things about how much faith we need. First, 
You need enough faith to believe God can do the impossible. Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for years that God would give them a baby. So much time passed, they began to lose hope. At their age, it seemed impossible for them to have a baby. Is there something in your life you are seeing as impossible? Have you begun to lose hope that you can find a mate? Do you begin to lose hope that you can find a job? Or see your business restored? Have you begun to lose hope that a family member will come to Christ? Remember, nothing is impossible for God. God said to Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? When things look impossible, God does his best work. On March 13th, I decided to close our worship service on Sunday, March 15th due to COVID. On March 16th, President Trump announced 15 days to slow the spread. Governor Kate Brown, like many governors across our country, uh, shut down many businesses the next day. For me to shut down our services was terrifying. I thought we would lose people to the, from the church. I feared that without people coming, uh, no one would give and we would face a financial suicide. Um, we immediately began videoing the sermon and by July 12th we began doing a live stream of the entire service. Uh, God has been gracious. Our attendance has not gone down. It's actually gone up. Uh, we have about 70 people between the two services on Sunday and Kids Space, and we have about 425 people watching each week online. Um, a lot of people have said, you know, sent me emails. Hey, found you online. Love your services. We watch every week. Uh, loved your series on uh, forgiveness. Thank you for your uh, words uh, and your series of navigating uncertainty. That's been so helpful. Um, some of you have told me that you have relatives that are watching that, that live outside of Portland. Uh, some of you have said you have friends that have now started watching. Even though half of the people in our church have seen their incomes go down this year, the giving has been phenomenal. We actually have received more this year than we did last year at this point. We haven't had to lay off anybody. God is gracious. Uh, Luke wanted Theophilus to know that Jesus is the Son of God. So he showed him that God was involved in his birth. God began by sending Zechariah an angel. If you believe there is a God who is all-powerful, you have no problem believing that he can dispatch angels to deliver his word or to, to help people. Jory and I, as most of you know, have nine kids. Uh, all kinds of things have happened in our home. Uh, we believe that God has sent angels to protect a number of our kids, some of them more than one time. When our son Joel was two years old, uh, we had to keep our eye on him. If, if we didn't, he was gone and up to something. One day, Jory, Jory found him in the crawl space under the house. He had slipped down through a little cubby hole. He watched me mow the lawn and uh, his older brother, Tad, mow the lawn, so he decided he wanted to help. 
So one day I came outside, and he turned on all the sprinklers. Another day I came out, and he had the lawnmower out. He had the funnel in the lawnmower. He was looking for the gas. This guy's two years old. Another time, Jory was horrified. She'd put pizza in the oven, and she found Joel with two, you know, oven mitts up to his shoulders, reaching in the oven to get out the pizza. Another time, he was sitting on a high back chair, and uh, he fell over backwards onto the hardwood floor. He could have cracked his skull or broken his neck. Instead, he did a 360 and landed on his feet. I can't prove it to you. But we believe that God sent an angel to protect Joel from that fall. After uh, the uh, fall, he said, who was that man in our house? And nobody had seen a man, but he began to describe in detail what the man looked like. We believe God has sent angels many times to our home. What impossible situation are you facing? Are you losing hope that God even knows your situation or cares about helping you? Don't give up. God fulfilled the deepest desires of Zachariah and Elizabeth to have a baby. Theirs was a wild and probable tale with a pinch me, I'm dreaming ending. Zechariah never in his wildest dreams thought he would see his gray-headed wife have a baby. Yet he found out that God does his best work in impossible situations. The second way we need to have enough faith is you need enough faith to believe God is gracious. So my first point was that God is can work in impossible situations. We need to believe that God is all-powerful. The second point is that he's gracious, that he's willing to use his power to intervene on our behalf. Zechariah had to believe that God was gracious and heard their heartfelt prayers for a baby. He had to have enough faith to believe that God in his grace would enable them to have a baby, even though they were old. He had to go home to his wife, believing God's promise, spoken to him through the angel. A few weeks ago, we looked at what I consider the greatest verse uh, written uh, by Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. So when we have something go wrong, we're not consumed by it because we know how much God loves us. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you believe in God's great love? Do you see his compassions in your life every morning? God sent the angel Gabriel to Zechariah to show his grace. On June 16, 1982, God intervened in the lives of a mother and daughter who went off a cliff 100 feet into a ravine, eight miles east of Sweet Home. The daughter... Young daughter, Starlet, uh, flew out the van about halfway down the ravine. The mother was trapped in the car. She had uh, ribs broken, uh, her leg broken, and a lot of injuries in her lungs. She would have died if it were not for her daughter making it up out of the ravine to find help to come rescue her. 
Uh, when the girl got up to the top of the hill, uh, she told uh, the people that were going to go down and rescue her that, uh, that, you know, how did you get up? It's such, so, so steep. And she said, a little boy with a little puppy led me up the ravine. And she got up the ravine, and it took rescuers uh, several hours to get down. It was that dangerous. Now, again, I can't prove it to you, but I believe that God in his grace sent an angel to help a little starlet. God was gracious not only to send an angel, but because the girl was little, to send the angel as a little boy and to have a puppy along to comfort the girl. As a result of the angel coming and helping the little girl in her heroic climb out of the ravine, God saved that mother, Susan Aarons. God was gracious to send Zechariah an angel. Do you have enough faith to believe that God is gracious? Do you believe he sees your situation and he's watching out for you? A third way we need enough faith is you need enough faith to obey God. God sent the angel to Zechariah to tell him that he and his wife were going to have a baby. But then Zechariah had to have enough faith to obey. He had to go home and tell Elizabeth everything. Let me show you something interesting. God sent the angel uh, to Zechariah, and let me read that to you again. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe, you did not have enough faith, which will come true at the appointed time. The angel was unhappy with Zechariah because he did not believe. He did not have enough faith. Now look at what happened with Mary when the angel appeared to her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Her question sounds almost identical to Zacharias, doesn't it? But the angel didn't reprimand her. She wasn't punished. Why? Because God sees the heart. He knew that she believed that God would do this. She just wanted to know how. But he knew that Zechariah did not believe God could pull this off. So God had to chastise him. He, he, still, he still granted them a, a baby, John the Baptist, but he had to chastise him of his unbelief. But Zechariah did have enough faith to obey. Think back 3,500 years ago to when God said to Pharaoh, I'm going to put to death all the firstborn sons in Egypt. He said to the Hebrew people, if you put blood over your uh, doorposts, the, the angel of death will pass over your home. So picture two Hebrew men talking over the fence, Moshe and Baruch. Moshe says, did you hear what's going to happen tonight? Baruch, yeah. 
Moshe, what did you do? Baruch said, I put blood over our lamppost. Moshe did, so did I, but I'm afraid. Baruch, why are you afraid? He said, I don't know. These are strange times. So question, who lost their firstborn son that night? Answer, neither of them. Because they both had enough faith to obey to put blood on the doorposts. It's not the strength of our faith that matters, but the promise of God. Faith doesn't mean that we never have any questions, we never have any doubts, but we have to have enough faith to obey. Jesus said, the faith the size of a mustard seed will do. Because Zechariah had enough faith to obey, God blessed him with a son. What is it you're having difficulty believing God can do? Heal a broken marriage? Remove bitterness from your heart? Find a job? Restore your business? Find a mate? Don't give up. Keep believing. You just need enough faith. Enough faith to believe God can do the impossible enough faith to believe God is gracious, and enough faith to obey. Lord God, thank you for Luke sharing the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Father, we have things in our lives where we think they're impossible and we, we're discouraged. But today we want to recommit ourselves to believing in you, believing that you can do the impossible in our lives, in our country, believing that you can, that you are a gracious God, you care about us, and we want to commit to having enough faith to obey. Would you pray that right now to God? I want to just give you a moment to pray. If you've never given your life to Christ, invite him to, to come into your life and forgive your sins and tell him you believe he's the Son of God. You pray. Father, thank you that you are an amazing God and we can put our faith in you. You have all power and you love us and you're gracious. And so we put our faith in you today in whatever situation we're facing. In Jesus' name we pray.